You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Aloha, Allegiant Alley Cats, allowing alluring alloys about alliterations and Allison. Allison is the chemical compound that makes garlic garlic, the sulfuric smelly compound. Mm. Uh, this is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 236. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your Trixie triad of trivia triathletes trying for trinkets, trilobites, and trifles. I'm Colin. And I'm Chris. So if you listen to last episode, yes, it is sad news. Uh, Dana has retired from the Good Job Brain podcast crew. So we wish her the best. Don't forget, uh, like last time I I mentioned, um, leave her happy messages and uh, share us your favorite Dana moments. But for now, it is the three of us, me, Chris, Colin. We're alliterative. Oh, that's true. Wow. When I was writing my intro for this episode, I I realized... So I do two sets of alliterative sentences for each intro, right? And mm-hmm. we've done 236 shows. <laughs> that means I've written probably more than 400 alliteration intros. Wow. All right. Without further ado, the three of us, the two of you, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Here, I have a random trivial pursuit card and you guys have your barnyard buzzers listeners mm-hmm. buzz in <laughs> honk your horn mm-hmm. shout mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> flap your arms yeah. right 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 rev yeah. your engine yeah. <laughs> uh here we go blue wedge for geography what is the islamic pilgrimage to mecca called uh chris i want to call that the uh hajj mm. it is hajj h-a-j-j j-j double j's hajj okay Next question, pink wedge for pop culture. (laughs) The creators of which iconic HBO mob drama (laughs) added a gun to its logo so people wouldn't (laughs) think it was about opera singers. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Uh, Together. The The Baritones. (laughs) (laughs) The Sopranos. Yellow wedge. Which stadium in Flushing Meadows, New York, home of the U.S. Open, is named for the first male African-American to win Wimbledon in 1975? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. Ash Stadium, named after Arthur Ashe. Arthur mm-hmm. Ashe. All right, Purple Wedge. Which type of poem has 14 lines and follows a formal rhyming scheme? Uh, mm. Chris. I believe this to be a sonnet. Mm. Yes, it is yeah. a sonnet. Listeners at home cannot some see I... our facial expressions, but we can see <laughs> each other's facial expressions. And Chris just shot me a look. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was more like, I mean, you know, for William Fakespeare, you know, I've, yeah. I've even written recently a sonnet for Good Job Brain. So, <laughs> true, yeah. true, yeah, true. I, I got my sonnets down. All right, next question. Science and Nature. Green Wedge. In which vehicle was David Wolf when he made history in 1997 by casting his vote in a Houston mayoral race? In which? <laughs> in which read- oh, vehicle? Oh, oh. Oh, hold on. Let me, oh. let me reread. Let me okay, reread. okay, okay, okay. In which vehicle uh-huh. was David Wolf when he mm. made history in 1997 by casting his vote in a Houston mayoral race? Colin. He's on a spaceship. Can you be more specific? The space <laughs> shuttle? The International Space Station? It is the Mirror oh. Space Station. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. This, this is a little bit less <laughs> less climatic. Astronaut Wolf emailed his pick, becoming the first voter in space. They should have had, like, for promotional purposes, a big, you know, oversized yeah, like yeah, a booth. Car- cartoon ballot box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, last question. Orange Wedge. Which racing event involves horses jumping fences and ditches? <laughs> Chris. Steeplechase. Yes! Mm. Wow, you guys know your horse activities. <laughs> Steeplechase. So they're actually not really chasing anything. Yeah, I don't know where the origin of the word. Yeah, it's kind of, it's just like, a, it's like a horsey obstacle oh, course. No, you know, I, 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 okay, please, please forgive me. This mm. might be wrong. I'm going to okay. say this. I believe that the word comes from literally cross city sort of races where people would run from church to church, like 
using uh, the church okay. as landmarks. Oh. Um, you're going after the steeples on the, the churches. Huh. I, I think that might be it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll fact check that later. We'll just fact yeah. check that yeah. before we run that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good job, brains. This episode. Earlier this year, we had a special episode that was about things that are round, about circles, bulbous things. And I thought, well, let's go the other direction. We should have, just to be fair, let's have an episode about things that are square and cubed. So this week, it's hip to be square. Well, Karen, speaking of square, you know, uh, there is something very central to our lives, which is a square, which is the Good Job Brain book, uh, which we almost never plug. We're <laughs> like, we should. like, like many creative types, we are extraordinarily poor at self-promotion, but yep. we made a book. And it's a square book. And it is a square book, big orange square. Mm-hmm. Not one of your spherical books. Yeah. To read. <laughs> yeah, the most annoying shape of Look all. Look for it wherever books are sold and you won't find it. Then, then <laughs> go on to Amazon and buy it there. <laughs> you you saw it recently. Yes, I did. Half Price Books. Oh, yes. At, in oh, Berkeley, yeah. California. I've seen the book maybe five times in the wild, like at an actual store. <laughs> Honolulu, Barnes & Noble. And then... Oh, wow. uh, Tyson's Corner in Northern Virginia, Barnes and Noble, um, half price books in Berkeley, and then one at the San Francisco downtown, one of the many San Francisco downtown FedEx office, uh, previously (laughs) known as Kinko's. Yes, a lot of people say they've saw it, they've seen it in FedEx office for some reason. I don't know. It's like a gift. Hey, just throw throw one of our books on in there with that last minute (laughs) gift that you're assembling in the FedEx Kinko's office to your loved ones. If you're fans of the show, you can get our book, but also if you're fans of the show, you should join our very, very active and very interesting and very fun uh, Facebook fan group that we didn't start. Like fans mm. started this group mm. on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash GJB fans. Lots of trivia facts being shared, animal facts, uh, blunders of the English language, (laughs) eggcorns people have found, uh, pictures of places or things that we've talked about on the show related to this episode. One of the facts that was shared recently was about wombat poop. Oh. Wombat poop. The wombat, a very cute, cuddly creature from Australia. One of the very famous facts shared about wombats is their poop is a cube. Yeah. It's cubic. Does it have a a square butthole? Like how? (laughs) Yeah. 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 For for a while, people didn't really know exactly yeah. what makes the square poop. And recently, this was shared in, in listener group that they found out why scientifically what I am makes dying to know. This is one of those square. This is one of those like I feel like in the early days of the web, you would see this fact like the did you know and like you know it was like the first time I saw a picture of it, I was like. Holy, huh. it really does. It looks like a little little die. It's mm. so, yeah. Okay. You know, I'm reading these papers and the interviews with, with the scientists and there's no diagram of it. So so I have mm. to come up with a, a good way to explain it to, to everybody. And I apologize for this analogy, but it's the best analogy I've got. All right. So <laughs> the wombat, their intestines, if you think about a cross section, a tube. Lots of tubes in biology. Yes, you know, yes. They're few, all tubes. Fewer, not a lot of right angles. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, which makes this very weird. I think the only right. other like square rectangular uh, uh, living animal facts is like the the goat pupils are, are uh, rectangular. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Do you guys know what a pizza roll looks like? Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. a pizza roll. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's sure. like a it's like a pillow shaped. Sure. So it's like so it's like pinched at the ends. Yes, yes. So imagine a long tube of pizza rolls. If you lined okay. up pizza rolls and it's one continuous tube of pizza rolls. Okay. If you think about a cross section, two of the ends are pressed down. Mm-hmm. It's a tube, but on the opposite ends, they're kind of clamped and, hmm. and, and they're stiff. So when the poop is traveling through the intestines, the more stiffer parts of the intestine is moving a little bit differently than the rest of the intestine. <laughs> it takes a really, really long time for the poop to travel throughout the entire intestinal system of wombats, 30 feet long. 
the poop that comes out is already square it's already <laughs> a cube because mm-hmm. the corners have been pinched and pinched and pinched and just yeah the one that butthole is normal round but the poop is already hard and compact into a square shape so it comes out as a square how does this uh, help uh, select you <laughs> evolutionarily there is a theory yeah. <laughs> okay mm-hmm. uh, wombats use their poop to mark their territories they put it on rocks Square poops don't roll. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're okay. able to put the poop where they where <laughs> they want precise to. And it stays, stays right there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's a it's a square peg out of a round hole, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Bravo. Okay, well, I will get us kicked off here. Um, Karen uh, suggested that we do stuff about squares or cubes. Uh, and I like, finally, finally, the opportunity that I've been looking for um, <laughs> to do a, a quiz about the Nintendo GameCube. Oh! Um, the, sadly, you know, much maligned while it was on the market, but fondly remembered today. Seems to happen to so many Nintendo products. <laughs> I had one. I had one. I love my GameCube. Me got too! The, I, got the, I got the black. Black one, matching black controllers. I had the it. lavender one. You had the lavender GameCube? The the purple one. Oh, the purple one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like a bluish purple. Yeah. It's, uh, it's indigo. It's indigo. Oh, that's the official yes. color name? Well, there was the whole thing because, yeah, when they when it when it first uh, launched in 2001, actually, when it launched in, in Japan, uh, the only color available was indigo. But when it launched in the U.S., there was purple and black because for all the people who were way too cool Gamers. to be buying them. Um, yeah. And yeah. then they followed it up, actually, in Japan. A couple of months later, they, they launched the black one, but then they also launched uh, the spice orange color, which was, which was the very, oh, yeah. The spice orange GameCube is the ultimate GameCube. It's amazing so i have a quiz about the nintendo gamecube now to make sure that everybody is involved here i mean in case you're like oh geez video games i'm going to alternate between questions that are sort of specifically about the nintendo gamecube and then after that after following that will be a question uh, that is a more generalized trivia question that is inspired by the previous Ooh. question. That's good. So that's, good. that's a good quiz just, master. We're going to ping pong back and forth a little bit, but a GameCube themed round of trivia. Here we go. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. All right. It's uh, Karen versus Colin in a one-on-one showdown of GameCube and other knowledge. So question number one, this tech company, Established in 1911 in Endicott, New York, as the Computing Tabulating Recording Company, provided the central processing unit for the GameCube. Computer Tabulating Record, 1911. CTR. CTR. Established in 1911 as CTR. They provided the central processing unit for the GameCube. Yeah. Colin, take a shot at it. Uh, Motorola? It's not Motorola. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not the Karen? Right. IBM? It is IBM. Uh, yes. Uh, that's yep. right. They are New, New York. York New York, yeah. of course. Right. You're right. 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 Yep. Ah. Yes. Originally, uh, makers of uh, time clocks at work, like the punch card time clocks thing. Oh, clock no way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Man. Wow. How far they've come. And how far, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> From that well, to yes, think pads. They've they've come so far, in fact, that um, in in 2011, IBM uh, showed off a computer uh, called Watson on the TV show Jeopardy. Um, it was a computer that was uh, built specifically uh, to play Jeopardy. Um, when it when it appeared as a contestant on Jeopardy, what were the two human players that it that it competed against? Oh yeah, uh, Karen. Mm. What, uh, all right, let our listeners maybe think about it because Karen probably knows this. One is. Ken Jennings. Yeah. One is Ken Jennings. And in fact, Ken Ken Jennings' run um, on Jeopardy was what caught the attention of IBM's engineers in the first place Uh... back... Back in two thousand four, but back during the back during the lifespan of the GameCube, and they put on Ken Jennings, and also that's all I got too. I can't remember who the other contestant was. Uh, Karen has personal experience with this this Brad Jeopardy Rutter! contestant. It's Brad Rutter. Oh, uh, yes. okay, okay. <laughs> whom whom Karen competed against and defeated on <laughs> the chase took his soul <laughs> yes. no, no 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 he's he, he's so nice <laughs> yeah, he still has his soul he's fine, he's fine. <laughs> yeah yeah question number three gamecube 
was the first Nintendo home console to launch in the United States without a Super Mario game. <gasps> what game starring a Mario series character launched with the console instead? What game starring a Mario? Oh, okay. I heard a dog. Yeah. Karen? I want to guess it was Luigi's Mansion. So That's my Luigi? guess. Luigi? It's Luigi's it... Mansion. Yes, oh. it's Luigi's Mansion. It is Woo. Luigi's Mansion. Good job. Good job, Karen. Yes, Luigi's Mansion uh, starring Luigi, uh, who was a <laughs> Ghostbusters-style game in which Luigi was looking for Mario. We were all looking for Mario. We were like, Mario, oh, where funny. are you? <laughs> yeah, and um, and they and he found him. And then, of course, a few months later came Super Mario Sunshine on the Nintendo GameCube. But let's stick with mansions. Question number four. At 178,000, 1,926 square feet of floor space. The Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina, is the largest privately owned house huh. in the United States. It was built by what famous, fabulously wealthy family? Uh, Colin? The Carnegie's. It's not the Carnegie's. Karen. The Vanderbilt. It is the mm. Vanderbilt. And it's exactly what you think. So the, the Vanderbilt family, which came from DeBilt in Netherlands, mm. and they were Vanderbilt, as in mm. from the built. They did the Biltmore Mansion, mm -hmm. and that makes, was the makes, Biltmore makes Estate. Makes sense. Makes sense. Built more. And the more is not like we want more house space. <laughs> it's like the Moors, like the yeah. M-O-O-R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fun fact, Anderson Cooper and Timothy Oliphant are both <gasps> Vanderbilts. I knew Anderson Cooper because yep. his mo his mother is Gloria, Gloria Vanderbilt, but I did not know Timothy Oliphant is a wow. Oliphant. Oh, Vanderbilt. Oh. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay. Question number five. What sci-fi game series was resurrected on the GameCube by a developer based not in Japan, but in Austin, Texas? Karen was first. Metroid. Metroid. <laughs> yes, after a long absence, the Metroid series came back on the GameCube uh, with Metroid Prime, developed yeah. uh, famously by Retro Studios in Austin, Texas. Um, question number six. The University of Texas at Austin was where these co-writers of the films Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums were college roommates. Co-writers. Colin. Uh, that is uh, uh, Wes Anderson and uh, Owen Wilson, I believe. Yes, correct. Oh. Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, roommates at the University of Texas at Austin, and then co-wrote various films together, uh, Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums being just two of those. Yes. Mm -hmm. Question number seven. After a long absence from the Nintendo platforms, a video game developer Squaresoft made its return to Nintendo hardware on the GameCube. With what entry in the Final Fantasy series? Oh, man. This is a Chris Kohler question. <laughs> we okay. cannot reach out to our lifeline. Hold on, Oops. hold on. <sighs> yeah. All right, so... What was, the, what was the, the name year. of the yeah, Final right. Fantasy that Square <laughs> made on the GameCube as their big return to Nintendo platforms? I'm deferring to you on this uh -oh. one, Karen. Like, I, okay. I, oh, so I'm not guessing which number. It was the, no, no, no. It's not a number. It's oh. a, uh, it has a it has a subtitle. It's not a number. It has a subtitle. Oh, oh. Karen. Final Fantasy Tactics. It's not Final Fantasy oh. Tactics. They did do that on Game Boy Advance, and the, this was the one where you took your Game Boy Advance and you plugged it into the GameCube. Yeah. Oh. Play it that way. It was multi. It was multiplayer. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Oh. My. Final oh. Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. That, that was the one. That was the one. Um, question number eight. What musical artist had a huge hit in 1991 with the single Gypsy Woman, parentheses, She's Homeless? <sighs> well, it has to do something with Crystal. Remember that this is vaguely connected. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Karen? Crystal Waters? It is Crystal Waters! Wow. Good job! La da dee, la da 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 la da dee, la da da. Yeah, that's Crystal Waters. Yes, Gypsy Woman. She's homeless. Well done. I did not know it had a parentheses title. I love songs with parentheses in the title. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole story just in the parentheses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
And one day we should do a quiz with parenthetical songs. I can't, yes. I can't oh, believe God. we okay. haven't already. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, who who wants to do it? You want me to do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, yeah okay. Funny. So nobody, nobody research okay. anything okay. about okay. parentheses. Okay. Right. Listeners at home. Okay. Just try to blank your mind. We'll do parenthetical songs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Question number nine. This mobile game made by Niantic is based on a game series that debuted on the GameCube. Colin. Well, it's the, the, the Pokemon game, right? The, was it Pokemon Go? Ah. That, was the, that was the Joe Bloggs answer. Ah. Niantic. <laughs> Niantic. The, you, you fell into the hole. I did. Well, because that, came out, that was a Game Boy game first. I'm setting up Karen to look good. Niantic followed up, yes, Pokemon Go, which they uh, did, in fact, make it as a mobile game based on the game series that debuted on the Game Boy, because uh, Pokemon was much older than GameCube. Oh, 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 um, oh, oh. yes, yes. Oh, what are it's those called, little dudes? Pikmin. Yes. Pikmin what? Pikmin the title Flower? Of, Oh, you're so close. The title uh, of the game is Pikmin Bloom. Pikmin Blossom. Bloom. Yes. Oh, it's, wow. Yes. 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 Okay. You got there. You got wow. there. Yes. Wow. Pikmin Bloom. Pikmin Bloom. I walked Pikmin. right into your trap, Cole. I know. I was you thinking. Did. I was like, ah. <laughs> you did. Yes. It's not Pokemon Go. <laughs> Pikmin Bloom. Question number 10. Pikmin Bloom's distant cousin, Orlando Bloom, is well known for playing, <laughs> is well known for playing Legolas in films uh, based on the novels of J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, and Will Turner um, in films based on the Disney uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Hmm. Two long-running series. In which series has his character appeared in more films? This is a the first person to buzz in and guess. You can either get it right or get it wrong, but try to try to get it right. But try to explain your reasoning. Colin? I'm going to say more of the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay. Either because, and again, I'm not that super familiar with the, the Pirates movies, to just to admit this up front, uh-huh. but either because he got too expensive or there was a filming conflict and he chose the Lord of the Rings series or something like that. Okay. But on the flip side, I mean, just argue against myself here. There, I think there may have been more <laughs> movies in the Pirates series, so he had more mm. opportunities but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my pin in Lord of the Rings. Are we talking screen time? No, no, no. We're simply talking the number of films. Was he in it or not? Yeah, it's pirates. He's in <laughs> pirates. Is it pirates? Okay, hold on, hold on. He's in pirates. One, mm-hmm. two. Uh huh. What was three? At World's End. That was three. So he's in at least those three. Yeah. Four. Yeah. I don't think he's in that. Okay. He comes back. Uh-oh. At. Five. Are they in it like as a cameo? Did they get them for like a yes, ten second memory? Because uh, he was okay. cursed. Oh, sorry, this is long went away of saying. I think it's <laughs> this Caribbean. is good. I think I think this is a, this is a good encapsulation of like what happens at pub trivia when we're trying to answer a question. Like <laughs> yeah, this. yeah. I'm running through all these things. So are you? So Karen, you're landing on the side. You're saying uh, the the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and whereas Colin, you were saying the novels of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, yeah, and then I guess, of course, there's also, yeah, I mean, the Hobbit movies as well, which I have not seen. Okay. I'm, talk- I'm talking Tolkien. All right. Will Turner has indeed appeared in four uh, films from the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Karen, you are right. He is, he is not in uh, On Stranger Tides. Mm-hmm. Um, he has appeared uh, of the novels of J.R.R. Tolkien. He has appeared in all three Lord of the Rings mm. movies and two oh. Hobbit movies. They put Legolas into whether or not he was in the books. I do not know, but I don't think he was. But they put him into the last Hobbit movies, two Hobbit wow. films, which I'm means that he, which means the answer is uh, he has played Legolas in five wow. films based on the novels J.R.R. Tolkien, and as of yet, only four Pirates of the Caribbean films. But who knows what the future may hold for both? Yes. What a good quiz <laughs> yep. question, man! That, that is that is a good it, quiz question. Yeah. Well, at first it was like, oh, I got to do something on Orlando Bloom. Well, I can't just ask about like, what character did he play? Because everybody knows he <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's so many of these movies. And then it's kind of how it came up. <laughs> okay, two more. One more set of questions for you. Uh, question number 11. The electronics maker Panasonic produced a machine called the Q, which was a GameCube that also did what? Uh, Colin. I'm just taking a guess here. Uh, 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 could surf the web. No. It was like, it's... <laughs> no. Good. Good. That's a good guess because it's the right around the right time yeah. for something yeah. to add 
awful like web surfing capability that yeah machine, truly that terrible never have it yeah, yeah. it's too I, I it's something to do with like another disc but i don't know if it's like it could play other formatted games or it could like mm-hmm. play cds mm-hmm. or something I, I think about this a little bit more talk it out a little bit like there was something that the gamecube did not do that for example it's, it's rivals on the market at the time famously did and it was a it was a feature that people really want in, in the year 2001 Is it was it... a feature that people were really looking for out of a game console but dvds yeah or like or just music seat or just full-size discs like either it's, cds or dvds yeah the panasonic q is a gamecube that also plays dvd uh, movies. that's that's what that yeah, was yeah 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 that makes what happened um, to it. That makes a lot of sense. It was only in Japan, and you know, people didn't really need a GameCube slash DVD player, so they didn't really sell that many of them. But yeah, they're very, very expensive today. Mm. Um, but yeah, most you know, a lot of people bought a PlayStation Two when it came out in the year two thousand. A lot of people bought a PlayStation oh, yeah. Two because they didn't have a DVD player. That's what I. That's what I, I remember. Yeah. That was many, many people's first DVD player was the yep. PS Two. Yeah, for yeah, sure. and that is. And that is what question 12 is about. So the PlayStation 2, famously, many people's first DVD player. And in fact, it was such a popular purchase as a DVD player that when PlayStation 2 launched in Japan on March 4th, 2000, okay, the most popular piece of software that people bought for it was not a video game, but it was this movie on DVD. Oh, Colin. Is it The Matrix? It is the Matrix. That makes so much sense. Which is which which was the first, I don't know about Japan, but it was in the US that was the first movie to sell over 1 million copies on the DVD format. I wonder if it's in the Library of Congress. Let's see. An important an important American work of art. Absolutely. Oh, what if the Matrix DVD is in Library of Congress? Like a yeah. Lot of, Library of Congress they keep like everything. Matrix added to the National Film Registry. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's not it's not like it's that hard. <laughs> they add they a lot of things. They do. They do. Yeah. I was going to bring this up in my segment later, but I'm going to bring it up here because we're, we're kind of talking about it. Do you guys know why did CDs and DVDs come in different size cases when the discs themselves are the same dimension? Oh, Ooh, do you guys know yeah, why? I do know why. Or at Whoa. least like ori- originally it was so that they could double stock them in the same bins that were made for 12 right. inch records. So like, then DVDs were meant to approximate the size of like a VHS tape so that they could stock them sort of without having to buy new shelving or new storage system. Right. Speaking of video games and things that come in boxes, this seems like a really great time for uh, me to jump in uh, and talk about the two video games uh, that I worked very hard on that are actually coming out uh, this year. What we do at my company, uh, Digital Eclipse, is collections of of, uh, classic video games. They're like Criterion Collection style collections in the sense that there's Mm -hmm. like tons of bonus content. And I mean, I I shouldn't even say bonus content because like there's so much supplemental material all around them and we tweak the games and we fix the games up. The the one that just came out uh, that maybe you've even heard of is called teenage mutant ninja turtles the kawabunga collection which has all of the old the turtles the two turtles arcade games that konami did back in the 80s and 90s that you yes. probably remember from the arcades the four player ones and then everything that was on the original nintendo the super yep. nintendo the game boy and the sega genesis so it's 13 games um and then additionally later this year in november we have Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. Yeah. Rather than just like sort of a list of games and being like, here, go play them. It is all built into this one seamless historical. It's like going through a, a virtual museum. Oh, because cool. Because you, you go through all these timelines and the games and the artifacts and like maybe scans of the original flyers for the arcade games and photographs. And we did video interviews with a lot of the, we got the Al Alcorn, who was the designer of Pong. We got an interview with him. So yes, those are two things that I really wanted to talk about because uh we've been working really hard on these over the last uh couple of years and they're both out like this holiday season michelangelo was my first childhood crush he's fictional (laughs) and not human it's very telling i was just reading something interesting here this might be interesting trivia tidbit for the show so uh I have been diving back into my comic book collection from my uh, very early years, and I was reading about uh, comic book uh, counterfeiting in the in the context of grading and selling and buying vintage comics. And it said that among the the most frequently counterfeited comics was the original Ooh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle oh. comics. Can oh, you yeah. guys can you guys uh, tell me why? 
that is among the most counterfeited. Because it's in black and white. Because it's in black and white. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. And yep. just people figured, well, it's easier to counterfeit something in black and white than in color. Yeah. That first issue of Ninja Turtles was done pretty cheaply. And yeah. It was done, you know, it was a very, very indie production. And so, yeah, it wasn't really done on like super high quality paper or anything. It was just sort of run off in black and white. It was professionally printed. It wasn't done on like a copy machine, but you could very easily counterfeit that if if the person doesn't know what it is they're looking for Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. yep 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 all right time for a break and we'll be right back hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name's Avalon, and did you know that pandas poop a hundred times a day? You're listening to Good Job Brain. Bye! So speaking of packaging, kind of ties into my segment, and I'm going to first tell you a little bit of story. If you live in New York, you probably have come across the ice cream brand Ample Hills Creamery. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Ample Hills Creamery. Hmm. Based in Brooklyn, um, it's like a hip and quirky ice cream shop with comfort retro flavors mm. their number one flavor is a ooey gooey butter cake so you know <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of setting the scene right it's right like, right it's like that sure, type yeah. of ice cream store that sort of thing yeah. yes <laughs> if you're a disney fan like me you probably have come across it at disney world in orlando uh mm. for several years uh, people could get a taste uh, of ample hills at the ice cream shop at the boardwalk area in disney world In 2015, Ample Hills was on the rise. They were gearing towards expansion. They were going to show up in supermarkets. um, And they scored this $19 million partnership with Disney (laughs) to have Disney-themed ice cream and and actual Ample Hills stores at Disney properties. That is a coup. So so not bad for like a small shop in Brooklyn. Mm. So back in early 2021, just last year, I went to Disney World to run a marathon there. And I decided, hey, I'm going to go get some ice cream at the Ample Hills Creamery ice cream store. But when I got there, it was like Twilight Zone. It was just a generic standard ice cream shop. (laughs) There's no no Ample Hills branding, no Mm -hmm. sign. Um, I went inside and even even, you know, the, the, the freezer display case, generic ice cream flavors, nondescript brand, generic <laughs> ice cream shop. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's kind of weird. So I asked the staff behind the counter, I'll go, hey, wasn't this a Ample Hills creamery shop? He said, oh, Ample Hills is gone. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, OK, so they moved. He's like, no, oh. no, 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 no. Ample Hills is gone. Gone, gone. <laughs> this is where the dramatic organ music plays. Da-da-da. So, of course, this prompted me to <laughs> look it up right then and there at the store. In um, line. In, yeah, yeah, in line. <laughs> I was a good patron. I still bought an ice cream there. <laughs> yeah. So while I was eating this generic ice cream, I was looking it up on my phone. And he was completely right. Ample Hills filed for bankruptcy in March 2020, right in the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. A writer, Courtney Rubin, documented the rise and fall of Ample Hills in an article titled, and this is where I got my information from, The Shocking Meltdown of Ample Hills, Brooklyn's Hottest Ice Cream Company. I'm rubbing my hands together. Now, <laughs> now we all love a good schadenfreude story about company failures uh well not when you're when you're telling me i can't get ooey gooey butter cake ice cream anymore i'm actually kind of sad so i mean go on but you know understand that yeah well i'm not gonna go into the details uh but but it is but it is pretty juicy ambition misspending crippling Uh, debt friction with founders you know like this could be a a netflix uh documentary 
But out of the whole article, there was a small anecdote that really stood out to me and really like captured me. And it was that the founders of Ample Hills were dead set on having their ice cream pints be in square containers. <laughs> huh. Okay. All right. Okay. So square ice cream boxes, not like molded or shaped like a like a square, but uh-huh. like actual a paper box that's folded from a flat sheet like a like, like a, a carton box. of milk like a carton of milk right or yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so you don't mean oh okay i okay. see so you don't mean like a you know you get like a gallon of ice cream sometimes one of the big things of ice cream yeah. is kind of like a rounded rounded you know, it's, it's like square-ish. rectangular with kind of rounded corners you are literally talking about like carton of milk like a square like a kleenex box, box. Okay. <laughs> okay all right all right all right, all right. I didn't know that in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, ice cream was sold like this. Ice cream was sold in like a Kleenex box or, you know, in like Mm -hmm. a a paper box container, you know, with the flap and stuff. And it's something I've never seen in my lifetime. I don't know if you... I mean, maybe back in the day when I was a kid, there might have been some like legacy brands on the shelves that still use like probably... I mean, it's just it it just seems... um, it does seem old timey. So old timey. The decision to go for ice cream square boxes is to kind of stand out in the market now. It's to evoke that like vintage feeling. However, there are several, several reasons why when you go to the <laughs> freezer aisle now, every ice cream pint is round. Or like Chris said, scrowned. Uh, the the tub the kind of rectangular rounded corner tub it's that's an industry term i love it scrounge it's like the squirkle it's like the squirkle squiggles yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so why don't ice cream pints come in square or rectangular boxes anymore because the ice cream scoop is round it's clearly round on the end you just you frustrate yourself trying to get out of those corners yes well, let's <laughs> talk also, it out I, I, okay so you have the ice cream scoop is round and you want to be able to round, you know get the ice cream you know a scoop of ice cream is also round so you want to take a round scoop of ice cream out of a round container also i'm guessing maybe the 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 shape of the pint the cylindrical shape of the pint helps it freeze more evenly and retain it's it's quality more in a more even way versus like the ice cream at the corners of the box maybe melting first or something i don't know i'm guessing there's so many reasons why square ice cream containers don't exist anymore things that you've touched upon yes ice cream melts faster there's more surface area in a box form square boxes could potentially open on on both ends the way they're they're folded right so mm, you know, there flaps. could be leaks yep flaps uh freezer burn and then also i think chris you mentioned corners how do you get you know it's yeah. really hard to get ice cream out of out of a corner but as you're <laughs> yeah. shipping and transporting square boxes the corners might get nicked mm, or they might get budged oh sure right, they, right, they'll yeah, get right. damaged right because sometimes you get a pint of ice cream and it's clearly taken a hit on the bottom of the round part of the ice cream even the pints of ice cream have little stands on them right like it doesn't <laughs> yeah come all the way the so it's so it's got a little bit of protection there from taking a hit structurally right. sound then you have to fill them to the corners with ice cream mm-hmm. versus like uh, a, a pint of ben and jerry's or whatever i just imagine there's like an injection thing yeah Cylindrical containers can nest. When the containers come, they're already nesting and they're ready to go. So square boxes, they come in flat. Then you have to fold them up. And then, like you said, Chris, making the container and filling the container, the two processes and machines that do that need to work together. Round pints are now pretty much standardized with the machines Mm. that fill them. So the same machine that fills a Ben and Jerry's can fill a Haagen-Dazs. Versus we have to build an entirely new machine, Bespoke new factory, whatever, just for your to fill our weird cartons. Yep, sure. Most importantly, the way ice cream is made now is completely different than how it was made in the 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. Mm. Nowadays, machines pump and inject like viscous, but not solid ice cream. The, right. the mixture yeah. into containers and they freeze. Uh. Back then, it was pre-cut blocks. <sighs> Of frozen yeah. ice cream. So they would just take the, the, the brick and drop it into it. a box, into a uh, folded box. Now, have they considered <laughs> running the ice cream through a long tube? Like, imagine some Totino's like, rolls, Karen, you know, if you will. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, yeah. The, the wombatification of ice cream. Right. You do that for 30 feet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Comes out in the cube. Yeah. It's just so simple that a, a child could think of it. Yes. <laughs> 
It's like the coffee that's pooped out by the Civic. Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. Ice cream. it's the kind of thing that that like you could probably get people to try once for sure. Just, just to, just to, yeah. I'm cute to go right, to right, right. So here I've prepared a couple questions about food packaging. All right, food mm. packaging trivia questions. All right. So, what licensed character was the first to appear on a lunchbox <sighs> in 1935? Oh, jeez. Licensed character. Ooh. I, I know I've I heard I feel this like I've before. read this, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like Felix the Cat. Close. Okay. Chris. Oh, that's close? I was oh, I was gonna say howdy doody. It is Mickey Mouse. Mm. Oh, is it Mickey Mouse? Oh, Mickey see, Mouse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nobody wanted to guess Mickey Mouse because it was too easy. That's early. That's so early. In the nineteen fifties, Hopalong Cassie was the first TV show uh. character to appear on the lunchbox. Uh. So we talked about the first. What action movie character was the last, probably the last, to appear on metal lunchboxes? Oh. Because oh my gosh. metal boxes were banned in schools, yeah. ironically yeah. due to kids using them as weapons. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. The um, last action character. This so is a really good one. action movie character. It appeared in a metal lunchbox. I have a guess, but I want to hear a year. Well, yeah. What are your guesses? What are your guesses? Okay. Rambo. I was going to say Rambo. I was going to guess it Rambo. is Rambo. Wow. wow. We did it. Amazing. <laughs> How funny. That's, yeah. I could I could just like picture kind of like, like without too much effort, like just sweaty Sylvester Stallone, like on the box. Yeah. And then I, kids wow. were hitting each other with these metal mm. metal boxes. Yeah, it's they the American way. Them. It's the American way. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Next question: What tech company has a patent for a round pizza box? What tech? What tech company, company has a patent for a, a round patent pizza box? For a round pizza box. Colin, I'm gonna guess. Apple, and only because I have heard that the Apple uh, commissary serves good pizza. Oh, it is Apple. No, it is Apple, Are and you? it's wow. It's only for the staff cafeteria. Wow, <laughs> I'm not talking about like XL super big family style pizza. Mm, this is like personal right. pizzas from their uh, yeah. cafeteria, right? A round container for a round personal pizza, Amazing. so that employees oh. can take it with them and go back to their desk and work and, and eat right, it there. Right, and Shane eat at their desk. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let, um, let, me, let me be perfectly clear and perfectly shameless. If yeah. you work at Apple and can get me in there to try some of your pizza in a round container, I will, uh-huh. I will uh, happily report back on the show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, next question. What non-European wine-producing country pioneered the invention of boxed wine? Oh. Oh, Chris, confidently. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I was gonna. I mean, I think it's Australia. It is Australia. Ah. Australia. Mm. It's not a completely new design. It was actually based on the design of mechanics transporting battery acid. Ah. The the first box wine, the wine is in like a bag, like a bladder. That bladder is in a cardboard box. Right. And what you have to do is you, you take the bladder out and you cut a corner. The the first design had like a stopper that you had to put in after cutting a hole. The next evolution is they just put a tap into the bladder. Right. <laughs> yeah. and the next evolution is they simply hook it up to your bloodstream. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just a giant bendy straw. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. We're on rectangular square food packaging. The bento box. Mm. Yes. Meal that comes in a a box with compartments for your sides and your little dishes. Mm. What does bento literally translate to? I mean, doesn't it literally translate to like box or something like that or square? No, okay, I don't know. Chris, Chris, over to you, please. Sure. Oh, geez, really putting me on the spot. Well, the Ben, I'm guessing, (laughs) is like the Ben of, of... convenience it um, is convenience yeah. is that what it is is that what's just convenience okay 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 yeah okay uh, yep, comes from the chinese character uh bian dang yeah man <laughs> i fell down a youtube hole of ekiben which is like specialized yes. bento box they oh. sell in japan train stations oh. yeah a lot of people commute through trains so fascinating yes. oh my god every every region has their own special 
bento yeah. uh, based on the ingredients of that region. It becomes kind of like a almost like a souvenir experience, ah, right? You I travel to different places, you eat mm-hmm. their special bento on the train, and yeah. like sometimes like the container is really special and you you collect them. Probably spent like five hours watching just videos of people on the train <laughs> eating oh, eating food. Uh, what a world! All right, okay. This is a weird question. What food item? used to be stored in a cardboard box, then wrapped and sealed with wax paper. Now we're familiar with it packaged the other way around. Whereas when you open, you open the box first, then you get the wax paper package. Oh, Mm. Chris. Philadelphia cream cheese. No. Oh. Colin. Butter. No. What currently... You open up a box and there's wax paper protecting it. But how about, oh, um, uh, oh, okay. Crackers. You're close. Mm-hmm. It is cereal. Oh. Cereal. Ah. So now when you open a box of cereal, you, mm-hmm. o- you open the cardboard oh, box. Then inside sure. there's a mm. wax bag, bag yeah, of the cereal. Right. Yep. To keep it from going Oh, so stale. it used to be in the cardboard box and like take the wax paper and like wrap it around it like wrapping yeah. paper. Yeah. And they used to print the brand name and the logo on Mm. the wax paper part. And the box is just a plain paper box. All right. Well, good job with my quiz. So, well, you might ask, what happened to Ample Hills Creamery? Yeah. Well, Chris, you can still get their ooey gooey butter cake. (gasps) They're still in business. After the bankruptcy, an Oregon company bought Ample Hills. Okay. They didn't change much of the branding or flavors. Um, they actually opened back up the stores and rehired employees, but hmm. the original founders are no longer there. Yes, they sell pints now, but <laughs> the Ample Hill pints are in cylinder round containers. <laughs> yeah. Normal style. Well, yeah. Yep. They're yep. hexagons. They're. <laughs> yeah. they're- Rouleau, a rouleau. They're rouleau yep. triangles. Each each pint <laughs> each pint costs thirty nine dollars to <laughs> subsidize the specialized machinery they had to buy. Oh, man, so this um this just happened to me recently. Your Mickey the Mickey Mouse lunchbox question reminded me that this happened. We talk a lot on the show about the about the nineteen years, about the old times, about the, <laughs> the old days, Grandpa. And something happened recently that made me want to crumble to dust. Uh, and, and just sort of blow away on the breeze. But um, my one of my kids was watching a YouTube video that was about the Cuphead show on Netflix. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah of yeah, course, yeah. the Cuphead show. And of course, it, it you know that really throws back to those old like Max Fleischer cartoons of, yeah. the, of the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. And and um, the 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 host on the YouTube was talking about all of the cool things about the Cuphead show. And they're like, and the Cuphead show even purposefully has static on the screen to make it look like an old nineties TV show. And they're showing it. And it's, it's showing the fact the cuphead show has a film brain to make it look like an old 1930s film strip, which someone of today reads as TV static. That's what they make it look like a nineties show. Yup. Yup. It's, I mean, just, it's just all downhill from here too. I mean, like when our kids try and imagine, like to even explain, like imagine to my daughter one day that when I was a kid, I would watch some reruns that were in black and white, but yeah, she's going to be like, oh, on purpose Mm -hmm. you did that? You know what they're doing? You know what I've just heard about? You know what they're doing with some um some shows that were originally broadcast like in, in, in PAL TV territory. So like in the UK, right? They're doing color recovery on these shows not colorization when they broadcast black and white stuff in pal Uh, it actually still had like color information uh, included uh, in the broadcast in 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 it and so they're able to go in so they're doing this with like episodes of doctor who and stuff like that they're able to go in and actually recover not re not colorize the color information is already there um to get the, the color essentially signal and the color so it, it was lost it. it was lost in the playback it wasn't lost in the creation or exactly the transmission. Well, you, yeah you wouldn't wow. see it or the transmission yeah it's like they transmitted it but it's like it, they i guess they transmitted it in like monochrome but like this whatever the signal was like still had remnants of, of what the Whoa, colors weird. were and that's, they can get that back that's really yeah. great wow yeah isn't that cool this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups 
In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, yo, you're listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we're talking about things that are squares, things that are cubes. So, Colin, what do you have for us? I have a story for you guys about one of the most secretive, most dangerous topics in all of history, which is square roots. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... In in all in all seriousness, yeah. in all seriousness, we we are going to travel back in time just a little bit here to a a period when when you know knowledge of math and geometry really were considered realms of you no. know secret or forbidden knowledge and potentially possibly something that might even cost you your life. No. <clears throat> all right. Just to recap very quickly, of course, uh, when we talk about squares and square roots, we're talking about if you take a number like three, you multiply it by itself. Three times three, you get nine. And we can say that three is the square root of nine. Four is the square root of 16. Five, square root of 25, and on and on and on. So let's do a little experiment here. Name an ancient Greek mathematician. Don't think too hard. Just just name whoever comes to mind here. Pythagoras. Um, okay. All oh, right. That's a, good one. that's a good one. I was I was hoping, I was hoping one of you or both of you were gonna say Pythagoras. And I mean to be fair, the guy has a very famous theorem with his name attached to it, the Pythagorean theorem. Let's give mm-hmm. it up for that. That's a good one. That works. That works most of the time I use it. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> a good theorem. Does one of you guys want to maybe give our listeners maybe a quick rundown here? Uh, you want to explain what, what is the Pythagorean theorem? What, is, what does it say? Why, why do we still talk about it even to this day? The theorem itself is A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's and this right. is describing a right angle triangle. Mm-hmm. So on the right angle, the sides, A and B. Uh-huh. So A squared plus B squared should equal to the hypotenuse, which is the slanty side. You got the long, it. The longest slanty side <laughs> squared. That's right. That's right. In a right angle triangle, the square of the length of the long side, the hypotenuse, if you will, is equal yep. to the sum of the squares of the two shorter sides. That's right. A squared mm-hmm. plus B squared equals C squared. One of the easiest formulas to remember from our math days, you know, and there are some very uh, classic kind of clean examples of this, as you will. There, the, the, the really famous ones they teach us in school are, are uh, Pythagorean triples, where the sides are all integers, which makes it very easy to do the math. Three, Probably four, the, five. Three, four, yeah. five. The classic, classic example. So three, four, five. Let's take that for an example. So one side of three, that squared is nine. One side of four, that squared is 16. The long side of five, that squared is 25 which is nine plus 16. Now, even though it bears his name, it, there's definitely a lot of evidence that this relationship was known to other cultures, other peoples uh, at other times, but there's no question that Pythagoras uh, came out on top in the branding. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. He put his name on the card. Certainly his name is attached to it. There's there's no question about it. Uh, but I want to talk to you about another famous, but perhaps less famous, ancient Greek mathematician and thinker named Hippasus. Hippasus of Metapontum. I should say that, you know, in, in their day, m- most of these uh, famous names would describe themselves as philosophers. Oh. Pythagoras, for sure, was a, uh, among many things, was a uh, philosopher, <laughs> first and foremost. So Hippasus, you know, a lot of the details of his life are uncertain, maybe contentious. Over hundreds of years, you know, fact will blend with legend. Sometimes tales of multiple people get combined into one person, you know, the the composite character of history, right? I mean, this, this happens a lot, even with some of the most famous people uh, in, in the history books. Here's what we know about Hippasus. Hippasus was a philosopher. He was one of the early followers of Pythagoras. 
now Pythagoras, followers. yeah. So Pythagoras was was a very driven, charismatic person. He founded his own school. It was the the school of Pythagoras, and they were the Pythagoreans. In his day, it was effectively a secret society. This was a very Whoa. serious deal. If you if you wanted to become a Pythagorean, it was you had to be initiated in. There was a probationary period. You had to spend uh, a long time just sort of listening and attending in silence. Uh, there were strict dietary codes. There were strict Whoa! conduct and math. morality. Well, it wasn't all for math, Karen. That's the thing. I mean, this really was a, a school of philosophy. They were up to some serious thinking and you were bound by secrecy, not unlike a, a cult in many ways. Um <laughs> They were focused on a theory of the universe as it relates to numbers, all right? They, they were really trying to establish the idea that whole numbers were integral to every aspect of the universe. If you could discover these relationships of the numbers that you would discover deep secrets into the universe itself. It's kind of true. And and it is true. It it's is true. You know, I mean, we do see the, some of the relationships coming up again and again and again. And so let's go back, all right, to our example of the Pythagorean theorem, right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. So let's construct, if you will, with me here, a right triangle that is an isosceles, okay? Let's say you just take a square, all right? Take a square and you cut it in half diagonally, all right? Oh, like, so, like bread. So you now have a right triangle where two of the sides are the same. So let's say they measure one, okay? Just to make our math easier. So one side okay. is one, the other short side is one. The long side, we're going to figure this out here, okay? So A squared plus B squared equals C squared. So if the two short sides are one each, right? One squared is one. One times one mm -hmm. makes the math real easy. So one yeah. plus one equals two. Whatever the long side is, squared equals two. Square root of two. Exactly. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. do you guys from your math class, is there is there any particular property about the square root of two that is uh, famous or noted or stands out to you in learning <laughs> math? Karen, what, what is that? I went to geek camp for all those years for this moment. <laughs> this is your slumdog millionaire moment, Karen. It is irrational. It is. Okay. It okay. is right. It is very famously irrational. Perhaps, perhaps. Well, what does behind, that mean? What does that mean? So yes. what it what it means, yeah, it doesn't mean that, you know, it won't let you win an argument. Um, maybe it won't. Uh, what, it, uh, what it means is that the square root of two cannot be expressed exactly as the ratio of two integers, one over four. So which would be, oh. you know, 0.25, right? Um, if you could write it out in decimal notation, it never terminates and it never repeats. I, I think safe to say the most famous irrational number is probably pi. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before, uh, which is very, very roughly 3, 1, 4, et cetera. Pi for sure, number one, square root of two right there. So yeah, square root of two is an irrational number. To say that this was unsettling to the Pythagoreans was an, <laughs> was, was an understatement, all right? Because their whole worldview- oh, is the neatness. Is the neatness, and right. So if you showed them this relationship of, you know, one, one, square two, the, you know, their first reaction naturally was like, okay, well, we just need to find the right ratio, but we'll keep digging and we'll find the right ratio. And- it is, in fact, provable that it is an irrational number. It doesn't matter how long you look. You're not going to find a ratio that can express square root of two. This, this freaked them out. This, this was really, <laughs> really a bad deal for them because they had invested so much into establishing these neat, orderly relationships of integers among the world. And you've got just this basic example. Um, <laughs> if you're inside the Pythagorean school, all right, one Anything that you learn is essentially a secret, all right? So this is a secret, and it's an embarrassing secret as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, it's like okay? a scandal. Yeah, that's right. So now someone had to be the person to basically like, oh, guys, I got some bad news, right? So according to the most colorful versions of this legend, the, the poor, brilliant, doomed soul who raised the alarm if you will on this issue to uh, his fellow pythagoreans was our good buddy hippasus and oh, no. the, the exact manner in which he is supposedly uh said to have stumbled across this dangerous secret is a little unclear it's possible he was working on something as complex as how to construct a dodecahedron inside of a sphere 
You know, they wow. they were yeah. really big on as you might do just any day. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, fitting the ancient, things in things. Yeah. The, the ancient <laughs> yep, Greeks. Yep. Oh, they were really big on fitting things in things, and this might have led him to the discovery that there were provably uh, irrational numbers. This is what happens when you're like when you're like basic needs, you know, as a human being <laughs> are already are like taken care of, and you don't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from. But then it's ancient Greece, so there's like no video games, so it's like what do you what do you do all what day? Do you do? You know, <laughs> your life of leisure it's like i'm gonna try to fit squares yeah yeah right how many i can just shove in there and see if that gets me to like dinner time (laughs) right until sundown look i mean it's no coincidence that many of the uh most famous greek philosophers were from very wealthy families or noble families Uh, right right, where they did indeed have a a lot of ample time and didn't need to worry Mm -hmm. about the basic needs right now so depending on on the versions of the story that i have read Hippasus uh, was either thrown off a boat into the <gasps> ocean. He was murdered on the spot. He might have drowned at sea by the gods themselves as punishment for discovering the secret. Uh, Probable. W- one version has him so racked with shame and guilt that he killed himself. The least dramatic outcome of all these legends that I read was that he was simply exiled all because they couldn't reconcile the square root of of just a very simple number. (laughs) All right. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about a square root of two, about GameCube, about ice cream packaging. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps. And on our website, goodjobbrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like the All Creatures Podcast, Who Arted, and Everything Everywhere Daily. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. all trivia nerds Brittany here and i host the family road trip trivia podcast with my best friend meredith is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest (laughs) we've got the cure three rounds of awesome trivia every week harry potter disney science sports you name it no more silent car troubles the family road trip trivia podcast connect laugh and learn with your kids big and small New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.